When we return, more on Civil War newspapers with Eric Karen and Jerry Prokopovitz. This is Civil War Talk Radio. How much time each day do you spend managing your personal or business calendar? 15 minutes, a half an hour, maybe more. Is the conference room available for next week's meeting? And how many people do you have to ask to find out? Have you ever misplaced or, worse yet, lost your day planner or handheld device? And what do you do about that missing information? Do you own or operate a salon or carpet cleaning business? How about a realty office or any one of a thousand other service-based organizations? Can your customers make their appointments even when your office is closed? If any of this sounds familiar, then Schedule Online is the solution for you. For more information, call toll-free 888-668-3355. That's 888-668-3355. Or visit us online at www.schedulonline.com. It's the one level playing field in business, the Internet. It's where an artisan working out of a small shop can look bigger than a multinational corporation. But to achieve this level of visibility, your company's website needs a developer who knows the net and how to make it work. Your company needs Apsio. Apsio's success comes from producing websites that reflect the attitudes and uniqueness of their respective organizations. Make a great first impression on the web. Choose Apsio, A-P-S-Y-O. For more info, visit www.apsio.com. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. Welcome to World Talk Radio, Civil War Talk Radio. This is Jerry Prokopovich. My guest today is Eric Karen, and we're talking about Civil War newspapers. Uh, Eric, remind me of the title of the book uh, that you and Stephen Goldman have put together about Civil War newspapers. Okay, it is uh, simply called The Civil War. It is the first in the Smithsonian Headliners series, uh, and um, it's compiled by myself, Eric C. Karen, and my partner, Dr. Stephen A. Goldman. When we left off, we were talking about uh, inaccuracies. Uh, it's ironic, on the one hand, as you mentioned, Civil War newspapers often... Uh, in their their zeal to compete with one another, might report things that weren't accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, both sides could use each other's newspapers as a source of intelligence, of military intelligence, since they would that's, print that's uh, whatever they could find. Um, in your looking at these papers, did you come across any evidence that some officers, some generals, uh, seem to be better at handling reporters than others? Uh, no, um, that's not an aspect uh, that um, I'm particularly familiar with. Um, I just know that the newspapers uh, would often not uh, separate what uh, was supposed to be hard news from editorializing. They would they would combine the two, uh, and the, the vitriol um, in the in the writing from both sides was was very clear. Uh, and you particularly find it, I think, in the in the southern newspapers. Um, in the way that they would abuse uh, Lincoln and the various names that they would call him in referring to him. And, uh, you know, there was, um, there was a elegant uh, and uh, sometimes humorous uh, uh, way of writing in those days that, uh, you know, it's a style that um, 
has been lost uh, by modern day editors um, uh, and and that, and that from that standpoint it's sad but uh you probably find that now because of technology you get more much more accuracy in the reporting um, in those days you'd really have to compare like you said a newspaper would get its um, its information from private letters and also from sharing uh other newspapers that were uh, printed closer to a particular battle or or event. So there was a lot of newspaper sharing and uh, corresponding between various editors. And yet you mentioned they were they were part openly partisan uh, and didn't separate hard news and editorials. Today, in theory, you read the front page of a newspaper and, and that should be objective reporting, and then you turn to the editorial page and see what the the political views of the paper are. You're saying there was no such separation in the one the papers no, you've looked at. There really wasn't. They they um, they went uh, they they came together, and it, it was pretty clear from reading reading a particular paper what their what their biases were. The, and, you have, you uh, have to take what they said with a something of a grain of salt, and you really have to compare both Union and Confederate reports of the same events to to try and gauge the actual. Um, you know, hard facts of the, of the matter. As each would report their own side. And I guess you even see this within the North. Uh, occasionally you'll find printed somewhere, uh, maybe on the Internet, uh, for amusement, reviews of Lincoln's Gettysburg Address mm -hmm. that appeared in Democratic papers of the time, which criticize it as a weak and dishwatery uh, uh, piece of rhetoric. Uh, Right. Uh, Everett uh, had given the other address um, at Gettysburg, and it was a long-winded, scholarly, uh, much-heralded uh, speech at the time. But, uh, you know, Lincoln uh, obviously gave uh, what uh, words that uh, became famous. Uh, he was shortened to the point, but in, a, in an elegant manner. And, of course, uh, uh, some people at the time recognized the simple elegance and, uh, of Lincoln's words, and others said, uh, you know, we would have expected more from our president, and uh, you know, Everett, uh, you know, did his homework, so to speak. That's right. And those lines fall out on, on political lines, as you said. The Copperhead Papers would would criticize Lincoln no matter what he did. The uh, Republican papers would praise him more or less no matter what he did. Exactly. Uh, now, some of these editors actually go on to be quite influential, I would guess, then, with, with their ability to reach so many people. Yeah, for instance, uh, Horace Greeley, uh, his paper, the New York Tribune, Horace Greeley, uh, of course, uh, famous for Go West, Young Man, Go West, uh, and also for actually running for President of the United States uh, and making a good run for it, uh, I believe, around 1872. Um, so, yes, uh, so the, the editors were celebrities uh, at the time. That's right. It's hard to imagine that today of, of a media baron, perhaps Rupert Murdoch or someone deciding to run. Well, I guess he's not an American. Uh, right. You're right. It's native, a rare exception that uh, the the person behind the news is, uh, except for, of course, our electronic media when we have the, the anchors on the major networks. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, uh, editors of newspapers today, certainly a lot of people would only know them in the in the vicinity of where the paper is published. Whereas Greeley, uh, James Gordon Bennett, and others became famous uh, and very powerful individuals in this time uh, with their ability to control. 
Yes. Uh, the, yes. The, um, uh, Henry Raymond went on uh, uh, with his New York Times to expose the the Boss Tweed scandals of uh, Tammany Hall um, in 1871 uh, by publishing um, the accounts of uh, Tammany and the misuse of funds. Uh, so yeah, they the the newspaper was a powerful uh, organ and a powerful. Um, uh, just a, a, a powerful uh, uh, influence on your your populace at the time. They often made their decisions about voting for uh, local officials and, uh, and and national candidates uh, based on what they understood from the newspapers. Uh, let me uh, touch on one other element where it seems newspapers in this era in the 1860s differed from those today. Mm -hmm. uh, in my own research on, on Civil War soldiers, I've often encountered examples where the soldiers wrote letters home, which in turn would be published in the newspapers. Correct. And in some cases, they would even be hired by the newspapers to write these letters. Uh-huh. Is it true that the, the papers didn't really have the same staffs of reporters as much as they relied on, on I guess you'd call them stringers today, people to who would supply material but wouldn't necessarily be full-time reporters for that paper? Do you, um, do it, it would really depend on the size of the newspaper. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the big city newspapers, particularly the New York papers, um, were quite sophisticated and hired uh, a lot of people to go out into the field, uh, war correspondence and things like that. But when you got into your uh, country newspapers, you know, they would he rely heavily on just um, the few newspapers they had access to, as well as uh, the letters uh, from soldiers back home that they that they could uh, report on. So, um, a paper like the New York Herald might put out, uh, for instance, when Lincoln was assassinated, they put out in uh, six editions on on April fifteenth, eighteen sixty five, and you know that was pretty extraordinary at the time. Um, a lot of country newspapers wouldn't even uh, print their newspaper daily. You know, you might get it twice a week uh, or, uh, in many cases, uh, just weekly. So it would very much depend on the, the size of the paper. Exactly. There was uh, another New York paper, I think it was the New York World, uh, Manton Marbles paper, that mm -hmm. was involved in a, uh, a stock market rigging scandal uh, mm -hmm. at some point in, I want to say, 1864. Uh, or they attempted, they attempted to uh, influence the gold market by printing a false rumor of uh, of war news, and it led to all kinds of upheaval within the Lincoln administration. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just thinking of that out loud as another example of, of the influence the papers had on the public mind and, and how people would vote and how they would regard the progress of the war. And right. Well, I often say that um, with any, uh, you know, it's very hard to know what truly happened uh, in the past. Uh, we rely on things like newspapers and letters and diaries and whatnot, but, you know, I, I try and use the example that if uh, you and I were in a room and an historical event um, uh, happened right in front of us, uh, an assassination of somebody important, uh, for instance, um, or a, uh, you know, a row, a, a fight between uh, two people, we, you know, we'd be witness to it, but we, uh, you know, we as witnesses, as well as others that were there, would come away with different stories depending on, you know, our own biases, our hearing, uh, our remembrance of exactly what took place. And so once the accounts are printed, 
you know, it, it's much like the game of telephone you played when you were in uh, elementary school where a message was repeated from one person to another. By the time it got to print, it, it, it might not bear very much resemblance to the, to the actual truth of the event. But having said that, it's the best that we have. Uh, you know, it is, it is, the, it is a, it agreed upon history, and, and the newspapers... Um, uh, being the only, uh, you know, form of mass communication at the time, um, you know, it's, we have, we have to read them with a grain of, uh, salt, but, uh, take them with a grain of salt, but still appreciate that, uh, much of, of what you get there is, um, is accurate. Well, absolutely. And it, as you say, it conveys very accurately what the public was thinking, whether, whether Longstreet was killed at Gettysburg or not. May, right. may be inaccurate, but that's what the New York public believed as of that time because that's what they read. Right, and well, and they were very good, obviously, about uh, when when, a, when an obvious error was made like that. You know, you, you would you would get uh, that individual paper. You know, within a day or so, would uh, correct themselves. Hmm. So um, uh, they they were, most of the time they were in, uh, they were trying their best and uh, you know doing the best they could to convey um, the accuracy of. Uh, of the various events they were reporting on. Let me turn to a, another aspect here. You mentioned when we started talking that you began collecting newspapers when you were 11 years old. Correct. Uh, what, what got you started in this uh, activity? Well, um, I often say that I uh, discovered uh, two, two passions at that age. Uh, that was uh, uh, as a young boy, I discovered girls, and I also discovered my uh, interest in collecting old newspapers. Well, we'll uh, talk about newspapers I, I, today. I grew up in uh, New York, and um, I was a baseball fan, and uh, uh, the kids uh, were bringing into the school some brittle old newspapers. Uh, because 20th century newspapers are published on a wood pulp paper with, uh, with, an, with acidic use, and that's why you find your 20th century papers get brittle and crumble. But your early papers, such as your Civil War, were made of rags, and they hold up quite nicely, so that papers from the 1500s through the 1800s are virtually in as new condition. But in any case, they were bringing in these uh, pa papers into school. They were finding at this abandoned house, and I, I thought, well, could I get a page uh, talking about Babe Ruth? So uh, one of the kids brought me a 1913 sports page, and I was just fascinated. Uh, this was ancient history to, to an 11-year-old. Uh, and I coaxed them uh, into taking me to the old house, and uh, it, it turned out it was an abandoned uh, storage for a defunct Brooklyn, New York newspaper. And it was summertime, and, and as you approached this property, you would literally see this decrepit house in the background and hundreds if not thousands of newspapers uh, covering the expansive property. And I'd, we'd go from pile to pile and just help ourselves. Uh, of course, uh, we were trespassing, but as kids we didn't, we didn't realize that, you know, they, they were there, they were blowing in the winds, and they were, they were there for the taking. And, and this started an interest. I started going to antique shows and rare book dealers, and um, I started writing away for things like Hobbies Magazine and contacting new, other newspaper dealers. Um, after graduating from University of Maryland, I had a job waiting for me directing a gallery in, in the New Covent Garden Market uh, in London. Um, came back to the U.S. Um, about a year later and got into the real world, as I as I say, the corporate world, and really didn't like that. And I said, you know, my passion is with historical things, and I decided to set off uh, in a career um, selling historical collectibles, specializing in rare newspapers, manuscripts, photographs, 
uh, etc. And uh, that was 1983. Uh, and now I have the Karen Archive business. I also have this business, Old News Inc., with Steve Goldman, where we actually sell, buy and sell um, original Civil War newspapers and uh, other historical newspapers. And uh, uh, the Civil War newspapers, um, a lot of them are, are really available at uh, quite modest prices, uh, you know, probably starting at about um, $20, uh, 15 to $20 for uh, common newspapers, and then going up into the hundreds and, and even thousands for very rare things. Well, we will continue talking about collecting Civil War newspapers and that very interesting activity when we return here on Civil War Talk Radio. Mm-hmm.